Good day, everybody. This is Zachary Kameen, the Curious Christian, and these are Curious Conversations. So, uh, I just finished yesterday the uh, fourth book in my series of um, trying to read one book about each president. Uh, I did the fourth president and just finished yesterday, a pretty long book, and this one being on James Madison. Uh, James Madison, as uh, some of you may know, uh, those who aren't familiar, uh, he was uh, one of the main writers of the Constitution. Uh, his his uh, his draft of the Constitution was the basically the launching point of the uh, Philadelphia Convention that finally drafted the what we have now as the Constitution. <clears throat> he is from Virginia, uh, you know, born and raised in Virginia, and. <coughs> Uh, I enjoy him pretty well. <clears throat> he was a uh, Episcopalian. Uh, that is to say, he was part of the Church of England. Though he went to, I believe it was Princeton, which is a Presbyterian <clears throat> college or Presbyterian college at the time. <clears throat> and until kind of recently, it was a Presbyterian college. I don't know if it still is considered uh, Presbyterian, or if it's considered uh, something other than Presbyterian. But uh, I found him interesting uh, in the sense uh, he's not my favorite. Uh, John Adams is still my favorite president. Uh, this biography was pretty long. It was uh, the three lives of James Madison, and uh, one of his last uh, last things he ever said. Jack, I'm gonna pull it up. Hold on. He said, uh, or his niece asked him, what, what is the matter? He said, nothing more than a change of mind, my dear. I love that. Uh, nothing more than a change of mind, my dear. Because uh, you'll, you'll see throughout James Madison's life him changing his mind a lot. Uh, a lot of uh, repentance. Uh, and I find... I, I, after reading about James Madison, I sympathize a little bit more with Thomas Jefferson, uh, just because uh, 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 James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, and George Washington all 
owned slaves. And uh, John Adams did not, and he was an abolitionist, uh, which, which is part of my reason why I like him so much. Uh, he was a consistent Christian. Uh, and I say he was a consistent Christian, not as a major jab towards George Washington and uh, James Madison, but more so that they recognized uh, James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, they all recognized that they were being inconsistent with their Christian uh, beliefs uh, as slaveholders. Uh, James Madison I like more than Thomas Jefferson so at the time, at this moment so often enough people will ask me what I think about presidents or whatever uh, or our president right now and uh, I'm, I am holding back my judgment, I'm reserving my judgment of our president at the moment until he's finally done in office uh, and then I'll give my opinion of his whole presidency because uh, I have found especially in the, after reading these four biographies of these four presidents that even when I was quick to judge uh, I didn't like James Madison in his earlier life too much uh, but I, I didn't like him like I don't like some brothers in Christ or whatever. He had a different opinion on things, and I was like, well, I think you're wrong on that. Uh, so, uh, his view of uh, a specific kind. So, I believe in religious liberty to an extent, and so does he. Uh, but he was more ambiguous about his religious uh, toleration or liberty. Uh, I I think, so my personal view would be that uh, the only religions that should get liberty are those religions that uh, preach liberty. So, uh, in other words, uh, I think only Christian sects should get tolerance, toleration. Uh, I believe that uh, Christianity is the only true religion, and uh, with its sects, I'm perfectly content with recognizing the different. So. A uh, Papist or a Baptist or a Presbyterian or a Methodist or an Episcopalian or a Lutheran or an Eastern Orthodox, on and on and on. Uh, I think you know all of them should uh, receive toleration for the way that they worship. Uh, I I think that they uh, dance on the edge of idolatry. Uh, I think, and so. 
there'll be some complications in there, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that other religious sects uh, can get liberty, and I, I'm perfectly content with a Muslim country believing that Christians shouldn't have uh, liberty. No, I mean, they're a Muslim nation. Why, why would they want another religious sect to have as much liberty as them? Uh, the, but I think that I'm more than likely wrong for the most part on this. So in, in the sense, in a lot of, from what I've read, and correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of Muslim nations and Muslim-ran nations, you're not allowed to talk about religion uh, that much. You, like, you're not allowed to proselytize. You're not allowed to try to convince a Christian to become a Muslim or a Muslim to become a Christian. Uh, and obviously, if there's any exception to the rule, it is a Christian can become a, a Muslim. Uh, but obviously it can't go the other direction. Now, uh, that isn't to say that uh, a Christian in a Christian nation couldn't become a Muslim, uh, but there would be censures on religious leaders of a Muslim sect. Because if, you know, since the God of the Bible is the true God of Scripture, uh, and he says that there shall be no other gods before me, and he has declared censures. So, my, my so this isn't about my own religious views, but I'm making a point that the, in that me and James Madison disagree with uh, our views of religious liberty, uh, and it's the you know it's the same view. Uh, he has this a similar view as um, John Adams. Uh, though John Adams was he just was also ambiguous on what he meant by religious, uh, but he was he made more uh, strains to show that it was the Christian uh, religion because he he says um, in his Massachusetts Constitution it's it's explicitly a Christian Constitution. And so when he talks about religious liberty in the Massachusetts Constitution, they're talking about the Christian God. And so when he says that every man should be able to worship God as he sees fit, then uh, uh, he's obviously referring to their conscience as it, it, as it um, is shown with the Christian uh, God. Um now, I disagree with that too because it, you know, a man, an individual, can worship the Lord as his conscience dictates, insofar as it aligns itself with Scripture. Okay. Uh, and so, even with my favorite president, John Adams, I have disagreements on this on this point, uh, and I have. You know, I think with this point, I, I mean, I have a different agreement with my own pastor with this point. So that's why I assume I'm probably wrong, but that's still my point nonetheless. 
or my thought nonetheless. I have no authority to enact anything such as that, but I do know I have authority over myself, uh, my own self, just uh, for my own self governance, uh, my own uh, self discipleship. I have uh, made it a point to uh, worship the Lord as He sees fit, as far as I'm able to uh, recognize and able to uh, subscribe, I suppose. Um, but no, so James Madison is an interesting character and a fascinating man in that um, he was a quiet guy, he was a thoughtful guy, uh, he was a nationalist, he believed, he didn't he didn't think that uh, colonies were necessary anymore. He believed we should ju should have just been one America, um, which I'm vehemently against. I'm a statist in the sense uh, I'm a Michigander first and then an American, uh, and I I like that distinction. I like that we are a union of states, not a. Uh, not a individual nation that uh, recognized its or where we had to send delegates to DC to get anything done. I think it's good that here in Michigan I can or with more important things with the things that matter to Michigan we can go to Lansing to uh, petition, to uh, lobby, to influence the influencers. Uh, we, we can go uh, to our local magistrates to get stuff done. We don't have to go to Washington, D.C. all the way, all the way over yonder. <clears throat> and so uh, I disagreed with him on that, but then, uh, and this was in his early times, and this is what he was arguing for in the Constitution. He wanted, or when he first, uh, when they first started drafting the Constitution and arguing for what to put in the Constitution and how to amend the uh, Confederacy, Confe the Articles of Confederacy. Uh, he was arguing to, uh, he wanted to to not have states, he wanted to have, or to be able to have the national government or the general government uh, be able to veto the states. But by at the end of the Constitution, we have what we now have as the Constitution. Uh, I like the Constitution, I made this point before, because nobody liked it, especially James Madison. Uh, but you see in uh, you see in the Federalist, Federalist Papers, the ones that he wrote, that he became a amazing defender of the Constitution. Uh, 
he was known as the father of the Constitution, which certainly is true, though it's obvious that he is not the only one who uh, that wrote the Constitution. There were several delegates from several states who um, had a hand in it. <clears throat> but he was certainly the authority on the Constitution. Everybody knew and recognized him to be the uh, priority author of the Constitution. And so uh, they often went to him for his interpretation. Now in the Federalist Papers, he's made the argument that uh, you should interpret the Constitution uh, with its uh, uh, strictly and literally, right? Clearly and literally, you must uh, interpret it in that way. Uh, but then you'll see in instances in his uh, administration. So when he's buying land as uh, as president, uh, when he's <coughs> seeking to get advantage as the speaker of the house. Um, when he's uh, trying to say that John Adams did something unconstitutional, <clears throat> and he'll say where in the Constitution, <clears throat> or when he says George Washington did something unconstitutional, and mind you again, he's the Speaker of the House at the time, um, in dealing with uh, levying taxes or making treaties or what have you. Uh, Uh, he deviates from the literal uh, words of the Constitution, which gives the executive the right to uh, um, make treaties with the Senate's approval. Well, he, he makes the argument, well, I, I want the House to also. And so he goes from a, I think the Constitution is perfect and doesn't need any amendments. He's actually the one who uh, writes up and pushes forward the uh, what we have is the Bill of Rights or the Ten Command or the Ten Amendments, <laughs> all of which uh, focus on uh, individual liberties, individuals' liberties. Uh, he tries to avoid uh, giving up power to the states giving up power from the federal government to the states, but he does put the Tenth Amendment that says anything that isn't in the Constitution um, goes down to the individual states. And so everybody... And again, nobody was happy about it, but they were happy that nobody was happy about it, which is why I went through. Uh, there were things that people want. Everybody wanted to add or subtract something from the Bill of Rights or the Constitution. <clears throat> but because they noticed that their opponents wanted to do the same thing and they weren't going to get what they wanted and nobody was compromising on it, they were like, okay, nobody's happy, let's pass it. <clears throat> the pettiness of politics. Um, one interesting point this book made that none of the other three books made was that back in the 
first five guys's uh, brains or whatever you want to call it, uh, presidencies, or even in uh, James Madison's life, <clears throat> it was uh, deemed unbefitting for candidates to uh, do an electoral circuit. Uh, they wouldn't do uh, election like rallies and stuff. They they would simply say yes, you can try to vote for me, and then their friends and acquaintances and uh, business partners and whatnot. The all the states would uh, would rally for them. They would try to uh, get the electors, uh, their approval that way. But the individual candidates would, uh, wouldn't do anything in one sense. They wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't ask for votes. They wouldn't be politicking. Uh, they wouldn't be electioneering, as they would call it, which is such a wonderful word. Uh, electioneering. Electioneering is something that is a norm now. Half of our, uh, during election seasons, uh, that's all we deal with is uh, electioneering. You've got candidates coming out of the woodwork wanting to get electionized or going around electionizing. Um, and so, with uh, James Madison, he he's somebody who, by the end of his life, I really respected, but he was filled with contradictions. So he had over a hundred slaves, uh, but he was opposed to slavery, which is obviously a paradox of, of um, nearly contradictory uh, uh, proportions but by the end of his life uh, he actually became the president of a, coloni a co colonization uh, company or whatever where they would buy land in Liberia and as freed slaves uh, or slaves were freed or freedmen wanted to go to Liberia, they would make means of transportation <laughs> to get uh, these uh, freed slaves to Liberia if they so choose. And in fact, to this day, there are tons of uh, people in Liberia that were formerly slaves. Uh, and uh, James Madison was a huge proponent of this. Uh, his argument for why he didn't, though he thought, uh, though he thought that uh, slaveries or slavery, um, racial slavery was an evil, uh, he didn't, and he didn't even see it as a necessary evil. Uh, he was terrified of a. Uh, in, uh, an anti-slavery uprising. He was afraid of a slave uh, revolt. He was afraid if they freed all the slaves, uh, there would be major 
uh, wars between uh, white people and black people, or the slaves and their masters type of thing. And uh, he had reason to think this because you had the Jamaican revolt, you had the Haitian revolt, uh, you had several different uh, revolts where the uh, freed slaves and the uh, not freed slaves uh, joined, uh, made bands and uh, started slaughtering their white uh, slave masters or former slave masters. And so, you know, you had a bunch of refugees, uh, former slave masters coming to, into Virginia and whatnot telling these horror stories. And so uh, he was convinced that uh, white people and black people could not possibly, after the institution of slavery, possibly uh, be able to reconcile, basically. The, the evil, this evil is too great you know, to uh, it's in irrecon irreconcilable so his solution was uh, to give them the means to go to Africa or you know they, they have land in Liberia for them if they want to uh, go somewhere else then they can but we'll take you to Liberia safely so that way you can get there and then um, go where you will from there. <clears throat> and so that was his attitude. Uh, he wasn't... Tom, Thomas Jefferson uh, seen black people as inferior to white people. He was a white supremacist. Uh, James Madison, on the other hand, was not. Uh, he saw them as humans who deserved equal dignity and rights. Uh, he, uh, though, yes, he wrote the Constitution that has the um, three-fifths clause, um, which makes it seem as if uh, black people are uh, three-fifths of a person. Uh, his attitude on this matter was that uh, politically speaking uh, the position of a slave um, whether white or black uh, makes you uh, by volunteerism uh, three-fifths of a person during your time his issue was that it's not it's not volunteer he believed that slavery should have been volunteer it's not a volunteer, uh, and it is racially factioned, and so he had an issue with that. I have an issue with that, and, but his attitude is uh, those who are considered slaves can only uh, be counted on the censuses as three-fifths, and that's, that is to say, uh, though he had a hundred slaves, uh, his house only had the power of uh, 60 slaves. So, it was basically to make the South weaker, in one sense, because uh, if, if the northern states allowed, or, this was the art attitude, was the northern states seen slaves as uh, black men and women as full people, right? uh, but they, they wanted slavery ended. 
And so they said, well, we're not going to incentivize slavery by uh, allowing them to add uh, slaves to their uh, censuses as a one-for-one. One. So as a discouragement to slavery, we're going to uh, say three-fifths. While at the same time, the uh, many of the slave owners, uh, James Madison not included, uh, said, uh, no, they're property, they're not people, but we want them to be considered as a means of uh, census. We want them to be considered full people. Uh, and so the whole idea is, James Madison even says in his Federalist Papers about this issue, that he thought it was weird that the northern, northern people who seen uh, black, who, you know, declare from the rooftops that uh, black slaves are uh, equally human and equal in dignity and rights and um, under the Declaration of Independence as any man, but they shouldn't be considered as full people in a census. It says while uh, slave masters in southern states uh, declared from the rooftops that um, black slaves are not considered uh, full people, but they want them to be considered full people during time of census. And so there's this glorious contradiction that is found, that is compromised in on the three-fifths clause. And so you've got, you've got that going for you. Um, James Madison was the first he, he was a nationalist, and that is to say he also that he was against uh, party politics, though he was a Republican. Um, when he start, when the Constitution was finally ratified, he became he went from being a Federalist, which Federalist in his day at that moment was simply somebody who wanted the Constitution to get passed or ratified. But when uh, finally he got into political office and during the reign of a uh, George Washington, uh, he became a, he went from being a Federalist to a Republican. Uh, George Washington, despite other people's uh, views, he was a Federalist and he remained a Federalist. Uh, everybody knew he was a Federalist. Uh, again, he had the idea, he was a Federalist in the sense that he wanted the Constitution to be ratified, so he certainly was a Federalist in that attitude or aspect. And then he was a Federalist in that, in the later view, which was to have a strong central government, which uh, uh, included having a strong executive. And so Federalists were accused of being uh, uh, monarchs in a lot of sense. And this is something that intrigued me is the two, fe two, two the first two presidents were federalists which is uh, John, or George Washington and John Adams and federalists were accused by James Madison and uh, Thomas Jefferson and other Republicans of being uh, monarchists and wanting to have something like the kingship of England and or even just realigning with England again and all that, put this behind us type of thing. 
they were accused of this, but yet they had very uh, weak uh, elect elective uh, uh, branch of government. They didn't seek a lot of power, a lot of authority uh, in many matters. While on the flip side, with uh, you look at James Madison and Thomas Jefferson, you see these Republicans, uh, they had a lot of power. Uh, they gained a lot of power. They used a lot of power. And uh, so, and especially with James Madison, he had a, uh, he did a lot of uh, power grabbing in one sense, especially during uh, the War of 1812. And with, I, I really liked this scene of War of 1812 as a Michigander because a lot of the War of 1812 was in Michigan when uh, America was, was seeking to invade uh, was seeking to invade Canada and so the a lot of the storyline was in southeast Michigan and so they were talking a lot about Frenchtown and Dearborn or not Dearborn but Detroit uh, but uh, one of the generals was named Dearborn, who, uh, and so I'm assuming, I could be wrong, um, I haven't looked up the city of Dearborn to see why they named it Dearborn, but I, I would guess that it's named Dearborn the same reason why Monroe is named in Monroe. Uh, it's named after uh, the War of 1812, the, you know, the, the people in the War of 1812. They're associating themselves to, with those people. Uh, Dearborn being one of the generals who sought to invade Canada. It turns out that uh, despite popular belief, Canadians are far more resilient than we thought. Uh, at least when they've got a lot of English backing and not a lot of American backing on the other side. Uh, so, with James Madison again, uh, he won the War of 1812. Uh, Andrew Jackson uh, was a huge part in that with uh, the Battle of New Orleans. Uh, though, interestingly, the peace treaty was already signed before the uh, Battle of New Orleans but nobody knew in New Orleans that the peace treaty was won like was signed uh, the people attacking New Orleans from um, the British had no idea uh, Andrew Jackson had no idea so it was fascinating was you know, the reason why the treaty was passed was because America did well to defend their areas while also being aggressive and pushing at uh, Canada, which created a stalemate, which made it to where uh, we kept our borders and didn't lose any land. And in fact, we gained some land, right? We established Louisiana, the Louisiana Purchase. Uh, and so not only did we not lose land, we gained land during this war and uh, kept our land. And so it 
prompted the British to sign this treaty. Uh, in the midst of uh, the signing of the or the sending of the treaty, the War of New Orleans or the Battle of New Orleans went down. Uh, we won that, uh, and so roughly, I think it was the same week or within a couple of days. Uh, DC got news of both the treaty and the Battle of New Orleans basically the same time, and so it seemed that it was uh, it was due to the victory of the Battle of New Orleans that uh, we got the peace treaty. And so it created the legend of, you know, we, kicked, we, we beat those British people real bad. And so now they're running away. Which, isn't the case in sense of it was the Battle of New Orleans that did it, but it is true that it's because uh, the people in England just were tired of fighting us. Which is great. Uh, I do like James Madison in that he didn't censure anybody. So one of my critiques of John Adams, who again is my favorite president, is that he did... Uh, set up censors that uh, go against the First Amendment right. He uh, put uh, journalists in prison. He did all kinds of things that we would say were just at, would have been absolutely heinous, like Middle East stuff, in the sense of uh, throwing journalists in uh, prison who uh, for liable. Not necessarily for him, against him, but just against anybody. Anybody who lied or smeared or embellished something, he would throw in prison. He demanded people tell the truth completely. Well, during uh, the War of 1812, there were a lot of you know anti-war people, pacifists and whatnot, uh, saying all kinds of things. And people even talking about leaving the Union and whatnot. Uh, New England talked a lot about seceding from the Union. And uh, James Madison didn't censure one of them. Uh, he certainly, like, you know, had them in arm's reach so that, you know, if they revolted and sought to set fire to things, then uh, militia could stop them or whatever. But uh, he didn't stop them from speaking. And so I certainly respect him on that, that even in the midst of war, where a lot of executives seek to uh, silence. Uh, opposition speakings. Uh, he he did he did no such thing, and he did something very shrewd in that. Uh, even though recognizing if they lost the War of eighteen twelve, it would have been him who lost the War of eighteen twelve, and all the the blame would be on him. But because we won, uh, he shared the. Uh, he shared the responsibility or the victory with everybody. He he didn't take credit for himself uh, exclusively for the victory of the War of 1812, which was a very Republican thing to do, something very honorable, and something that I approve greatly of, uh, most certainly. Um, his, I'd be... I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, 
his uh, wife of 42 years. Uh, I think that they were uh, 15 years apart in age. I think he was 41 and she was 26. Uh, she was a widow <clears throat> as well. And so um, she was a, a Quaker. He was Episcopalian. Uh, she was excited about not being a Quaker anymore and being Episcopalian. Uh, she loved to uh, wear uh, fashionable things. Uh, she loved to be the, she, as the book said, that she was the first uh, trend or fashion uh, first lady during jo a lot of John Adams' life. Uh, Abigail, his wife, was off doing a lot of things, moving around, so she wasn't really around that much. Uh, she was taking care of the homestead and what have you. But um, James Madison, his wife Dolly, was always around uh, because he was so introverted she, and she was an extrovert. She was often the hostess of all the parties. Uh, she would, would decorate the... She decorated the... Uh, uh, capital, the president's house. She, she's, she's the one who, you know, had one of her slaves get the portrait of Washington down before the British came and burned down the place and whatnot. Uh, she was a very shrewd lady, very wise lady. She would speak the thoughts of James Madison in a way that, um, you know, a lot of a lot of what we know about James Madison's own thoughts are coming through the filter and the pen of uh, his wife Dolly. Uh, you'll notice with uh, well, yeah, you'll notice with uh, the presidents, their wives were extremely smart ladies, and uh, the, obviously the presidents were extremely smart men. And so, we we should be encouraged to uh, know that uh, the scriptural description of marriage of the two becoming one flesh is, uh, cert, I would say, is almost uh, implied, if not explicit, truth. Uh, when when. George Washington reigned, so did his wife. Thomas Jefferson, uh, his, he was a widower, so he had no wife during his office. Uh, John Adams, his wife was absolutely brilliant, just as Adams was. Uh, and she was just as obnoxious as him, and she often put him in his place, which was a very good thing. Um, very strong ladies, very strong men, uh, very uh, good uh, people during this time. Uh, I still say that Adams is my favorite. Uh, Madison comes close. Uh, so I probably now mark it as uh, Adams, uh, Madison, Washington, and Jefferson as my favorite presidents in order so far. Um, I, 
I enjoyed Madison enough by the end of his presence, by his presidency, to be able to say he's my favorite president. Uh, he's not my favorite guy. He's not my favorite uh, human uh, by any means. But uh, as far as presidents go, he was certainly a decent one. All right. Uh, God bless you guys. Uh, certainly check out the book, uh, The Three Lives of James Madison to uh, read more. Uh, read 1776 for George Washington. Read uh, the book titled Adams for John Adams. And uh, read uh, The Art of Power uh, for uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson. Or, or really, there's several books by Thomas Jefferson that I would suggest read. So really, just read them. Uh, God bless you guys. Uh, enjoy the conversations. Drink your coffee. Come to Jesus. Take care. I'll talk to you later. If you want to have more of this conversation, please email me uh, at ZacharyCamina at Yahoo.com. Uh, Facebook me at, uh, at Zachary Kameen. You can just look me up. Uh, or follow me on Twitter at Zachary Kameen. Uh, take care.